We the people. We the people. We the people of the United States. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Congress, whatever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution, or, upon the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which, in either case, shall be valid as to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution. When ratified by the legislators, legislatures, sorry, of three-fourths of the several states, or by conventions in three-fourths thereof, as one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress, provided that no amendment which shall be made prior to the year 1808 shall in any manner affect the first and fourth clauses in the ninth section of the first article, and that no state without its consent shall be deprived of its equal suffrage in the Senate. Article 5 of the United States Constitution, how to amend, as George Washington referred to it, the authentic and explicit acts of the American people in the news today because a lot of folks out there, including some of my compatriots, think that this is the way to go. I'm Dave. I'm Pat, the lawyer. And I'm Jeff. Chatroom Jeff. Chatroom Jeff. And it's Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast. Article 5, the amendment process. So, Article 5, uh, the amendment, the Constitution's been amended, what, 27 times now? Correct. Through the, through the years. That's, that's just the ones that have actually passed. Now, I, I throw out, I actually throw out 11 of those as... The, the Bill of Rights and well, the, the original. Yeah, the, the Bill of Rights and the 27th, the 10th and the, the 27th were actually all proposed at the same time. Right. The, the first, you know, that was the, basically the first act of Congress as part of the ratification deal. So I don't know. I mean, technically they followed this process, but since it was already kind of, okay, we'll ratify your constitution if you do this, 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 and this. Congress said, yeah, yeah really we'll do that. And all part of the original. Yeah, I, I kind of keep it that way. And, and of course, the 27th was one of those 13 original proposed that didn't get passed or uh, you know, ratified until, what, 1992-ish, yep. somewhere in there. 200 and, years later. Fascinating story as to how that happened. But that's not um, not necessarily where we want to go today. So the process of amending the Constitution generally follows the standard process, which is that Congress, somebody in Congress says, I have an idea to amend the Constitution, proposes a bill. Two-thirds of the Congress has to vote for it. Now, there's a reason for that two-thirds, isn't there? Seems like that, seems like that would make sense because otherwise we'd just be willy-nillying. A simple a, majority, and a simple majority is... Right. The flavor of the day, so to speak, as opposed to a consensus of both houses. Well, there's another reason here, isn't there? Each house shall be the judge of its own rules. Each house shall make its own rules. So that's how we got this nuclear option thing a few months ago, where the House, where the Senate says, eh, we're just changing the rules on what votes. 
But this is this is locked in the Constitution. You can't change this. So you you've got to get two thirds simple majority. Right. There's no way to do that. Right. You, you've got to work. You've got to build a consensus. In other words, two thirds of the Congress, which by implication would mean two thirds of the states and two th- under their understanding and two thirds of the people, are okay with this before it ever even goes to the president, who then says, "Yeah, I'll sign that." Well, not necessarily, but yeah, presidents have been known to veto <laughs> these things along the way. Too. That's yeah. There's uh, there's some stories in there. That I wasn't it wasn't the 18th Amendment. I think was a, was vetoed originally. I think so. by Wilson, and uh, had to go back through the whole process. Prohibition was actually vetoed, so it, it, it's a bizarre process. Then that's that, and that's only the first two steps. House has to pass it. Senate has to pass it. Uh, I guess it could start either one because it's not necessarily a finance thing president has to sign it then you got to go out to the states now this is where it gets a little convoluted because the states three-fourths of the states have to ratify the constitution or uh, the amendment sorry three-fourths of the states have to ratify it but how they ratify it is kind of funky right i mean they can either do it by the state legislature or by a convention or by the way that Congress or by whatever Congress says says they they have have to to do, do. which to my knowledge, I don't know that Congress has ever said to any state on any amendment, you have to follow this process. The only thing they've, they've added on since, uh, expiration. Yeah. yeah, The seven year, you know, it has to pass by seven years from this date. I I think they were a little scared of the fact that that pay raise thing was hanging out there for 200 years and they were afraid somebody was going to finally figure that out. And well, actually, didn't they do the seven year with like the ERA? I yeah. Think. So yeah. that actually would have been before. Right. I'm just saying that right. they knew it was hanging out there. Well, they somebody, knew was- somebody knew that, hey, if we just leave this thing out there, eventually they could possibly get around to that. I, I think somebody we- doing their history can right. bring it back up again and say, hey, mm, you might want to look at this. Some kid down in Texas somewhere might look at this and go, hey, wait, I've got an idea for a project for yeah. my senior thesis or whatever and get an amendment passed to the Constitution. It, it's intriguing that they've never done that. They've never said, this is how you have to do it. And I, to, 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 in a way, isn't that a, a tip of the hat to the authority of the states, the sovereignty of the states, that Congress, the Constitution says they can do it how, however the state decides, legislature or convention. Or we may tell you, but we're not going to. It's like the third option that we don't really want to have to do. Well, it allows the states and, and you know, the Tenth Amendment actually to stand for something for a change uh, as opposed to telling you how to do it. You can you can choose within your state how you want that passed, you know, uh, either either method. And I don't think it's ever gone to like a ballot type of deal where no. the public will vote on it. But it's, I think it has in some places oh, at times. Um, I, can't, I can't think of a single example off the top of my head. So that's really making me look great here on Constitution <laughs> Thursday, the Saturday podcast. I, I but think some of the prohibition ratifications, I yeah. think those were votes. But I, wasn't the 19th, the women's suffrage. I I'm think that, sure uh, that one went some of those some votes, like Wyoming. Right. And, places. I, and, and as far as Congress not telling the states how to do it, I would guess for the first, what, 16 amendments, they probably didn't tell the legislature you can't be the one to ratify it because, of course, they knew the legislature was the right. one that had to reelect them if you were right. a senator. So, yeah. and and that and that entered. I'm sure that entered into part of the thought process for the framers as they were putting this together. I mean, it's like, oh well, th- th- this whole thing is a built-in control system in a lot of ways because it is. Yeah, the the legislatures answered the House answers to the people. The legislators answer to the state legislators answer to the people. Who's going to appoint this convention? I mean, there's there's going to be some 
if they say decides to have a convention, there's going to be some brouhaha as to how that happens. You know, that's it's, well. It also means too is it, it <clears throat> as most people have have said, you know, we're a democracy. Actually, technically, we're not. And and by having two thirds, you have a consensus as opposed to just a simple right. fifty, you know, fifty point one percent or fifty plus fifty one. plus one. You know, if there was somebody out there nerdy enough to have done the math, he would have figured out theoretically about ninety seven percent of the legislators could vote for an amendment and it could still fail. Yeah. Somebody nerdy enough to have done that? Yeah, if there was. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder who that was, Pat. Did Pat. you actually do the math on that? <clears throat> yes, I did. Yeah. So are you talking about state legislators or the... If if a 90, between the, if all of the House and all of the Senate voted for it, right? and if 97% of the state legislators voted for it... Individual you, legislators. Individual legislators. Right. If you apportioned that 3% just right, they could actually block right. the amendment. Which, which makes sense. I mean, we're talking about changing the Constitution here. Yeah, light and transient reasons. We don't make changes for light and transient reasons. Who said that? Oh, yeah, Thomas Jefferson. So I, I think there's some wisdom in the way that they've done this. And, of course, Washington will refer to this later as the, uh, the process of amendment as the explicit and authentic acts of the American people. It takes the American people to amend the Constitution. I mean, because Congress isn't going to do this without our permission. State legislators and state conventions aren't going to do it knowing that they have to go back to the people to explain why they did this. And you have to pass it in order to, to approve it. <laughs> and, it. And it kind of works both ways. Not only are they not going to pass an amendment they know the people don't want, yep. but sometimes they are forced to pass amendments because the people are telling them, you really yeah. better pass this now. So, some great examples of that, the uh, the amendment that gives the 18-year-olds the votes. That's that's ratified by the states in, what, nine months? Yeah. Uh, women's suffrage is a great example of that. Legislators going home saying, hi, honey, how are you? How come you didn't pass suffrage today? Um, so forth. But I, I guess the, the biggest one, of course, is the 17th Amendment, which is the popular election of senators. This is, uh, and this speaks to what I know, I know Jeff had really wanted to get into with this, and that is the fact that the, the idea that there is another option here, which is that upon the application of two-thirds of the legislators, legis- state legislatures, a constitutional convention can be called to propose amendments. And there's a lot, there's a huge movement right now. In fact, we have an article here we're going to get to in the next segment uh, about the idea of calling an, an Article 5, what's called an Article 5 convention to right. propose amendments to the Constitution, and depending on who you talk to, has got what's where and why. Um, the, under the 17th Amendment, the the threat, Congress was a mess. The Senate was a mess. It was the Millionaire's Club. And the states were getting tired of not having any representation in some cases because they couldn't get the things filled. They couldn't get people to go. Uh, there, there were some real problems with it. And the people kind of uprose and said, you know what, if you won't do anything, Congress, we're going to call a convention. It was the first real threat of an Article 5 convention. And the terror in Congress was, of course, as it should be, if we do this, what else else might come out of this? And so we better give them what they want. Right. Even though we don't think it's what's best for them. We better give them what they want. And as it's turned out, it wasn't the best for us. But um, that's the really first threatened use of the Article 5 convention. It is interesting, too, though because I was reading, rereading the article, getting ready for today, and the assumption, I, I, even I had always had, is that if the st- state legislatures call for the convention, the convention happens. Technically, if you read the language, it's really yeah. the legislators, the Congress still technically has to call the convention. It's just they're forced to do it if, to, if the, enough legislatures say do it. Do you think that we should have an Article 5 convention? What are the potential benefits and the dangers of having an Article 5 convention? So, 
as Pat pointed out for just a moment ago. The uh, the process by which a constitutional convention could be called can be fairly involved, and it seems very picky and technical, and it seems very designed, I guess, to avoid manipulation. Two-thirds of everything has to agree. Congress still has to say, okay, we'll call the convention, but what does that mean? And so forth. I mean, think about this. What if Congress says, okay, we'll call a convention, but we're going to call it for seven years from now in Tahiti. I want to go. Right. <laughs> well, I would suppose if the state legislatures, legislators specified when and where, or at least set some broad, it has to happen within so many days or so many months, the Congress wouldn't be able to do that. Except that Congress is the one that calls it. So what if that becomes an issue then in a congressional election? What if we're literally, well, what if we try, what if we're trying this in January of this year with November elections coming up and, and June primaries? And it kind of becomes an issue in that. Oh, the legislator, we, we're at we're at 34%. Other legislators are going to take it up as soon as they come back from the summer break. When are you gonna when are you gonna call this, Congressman? I mean, wouldn't that be a legitimate question for a candidate at that point? When are you gonna when are you going to call for this? How are you gonna vote on it? Well, it would be a great, great question. I doubt many congressmen would answer it. Doubt many of them would even know. They would what it answer meant. it with a thousand well, words and no answer they would, whatsoever. They, I mean, they, they would on. answer it in best Sir Humphrey style. That's a great question. Now let me ask you yeah. one. Do yeah. you think we should have an Article Five convention? And, and what does do that you mean understand to you? and do you understand the dangers that are involved with that? Never having answered your question. <laughs> that you would have asked originally. So all this came about because, well, Jeff, you want to explain why this why this matters to you? Well, I, I've been seeing a lot of uh, you know a lot of emails, a lot of you know conversation from from, from friends of mine who are saying this has got to be done. This you know we can call a convention to add this twenty eighth amendment that says all the lawmakers need to follow all the rules that they pass. Which, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, is already basically in the Constitution. That says no bill will be passed that doesn't apply, you know, that applies to everybody, not just not just the public. Amazingly enough, that is not in the Constitution. There's no rule in the Constitution that says that they have to pass a law that they, that applies to them. And, and there no, are, I thought there was a I, I thought there it was, is, but it's not in the Constitution. It's not in the Constitution. It's in the Declaration. Right? No, it's actually in the yeah, Federalist fifty seven, as okay. a matter of fact. And there are a lot of laws that Congress has exempted themselves from, like yeah. So a lot of people are just looking at it one-sided, though. This convention is one-sided that everybody on one side of the aisle is going to get together and everybody in Congress and all 38 states that need to ratify it and then some are going to go, oh, sure, we, we really love that and not really knowing the what's going on on the other side. And there's a lot of people on, you know, obviously, as, as everybody knows, we kind of lean toward the right, but there's a lot of people who don't know from what, what's happening on the left. And there are, there are some big players on the yes. left. Um, Alliance for democracy center for media and democracy code pink, independent progressive political network. And, and the, all of these funded by Soros who's doing the same thing. They're saying, sure, go ahead and call a, a an article five convention. Cause we've got a laundry list of things that we want to bring into this as well up to, and including banning everything that's already been passed and rewriting the constitution uh, in their language to, to favor their side. So um, there's not, a, I don't think a lot of people are looking at it that way as well. Oh, I'm sure they're not. I mean, you have a very famous, well, 
more famous than I am, chat show host who uh, out of out of somewhere here in California, I believe he's down in L.A., who's, who's actually written a book. I mean, he's selling books at 19 bucks a pop, advocating for the calling of an Article 5 convention but and as, his proposed amendments. But as Jeff says, you know, the, the assumption, again, say for those on the right, is, oh, we're going to pass, you know, the Congress has to follow all their laws amendment. We're going to pass, you know, some don't get involved in foreign foreign wars amendment. They don't think, well, you know, those delegates might say, maybe that second amendment needs to go away. Yeah. They don't which is, think that. Which is a possibility. And this, this goes back to the 17th amendment. This is what Congress was afraid of. The Senate particularly was afraid of that if the, if, if they didn't allow, they, they thought it was a really bad idea to have popular election of senators. And for the record, I just, I, I agree. I think it, it's a very bad idea. It is. Um, the framers set it up that way for a reason. And you could argue that, and others have, Neil Bortz has particularly argued this quite well, which is that the spending issues began with the 17th Amendment because all of a sudden the states no longer had any representation in right. the government. The state government no right. longer had any representation in the national government. It was all the people. And the people, let's face it, I mean, the people are, um, well, <laughs> the framers were afraid of the people for a reason. They, they didn't necessarily want the people deciding everything. And, and, and rightfully so, you'd have to argue. Yeah. I mean, so people decide things the easy way, not necessarily. Well, yeah, I mean, well, and they also look at you know, the people look at it from their point of view, as opposed to looking at the entire argument as well. So they kind of, well, imagine a state government, imagine a, imagine the current situation with the 17th amendment, not there. In other words, the states are still appointing and or electing their senators right. by whatever method they've decided to do. They're, they're sending senators to the, to, the, to the U.S. Senate whose primary interest is representing, say, California or Wyoming or whomever. All of a sudden, are they as likely, because they're not answering directly to the people anymore, they're answering to the state legislature and or the governor, are they as likely to vote for you know billions of dollars worth of spending in New Jersey because we don't have that money anyway and it's at the expense of perhaps projects in California. One of the biggest arguments is California, huge population, Texas, huge population. We're paying X percentage of the income taxes to the, to the federal government, but are we getting equal of that back? Well, also, Senators who are answering to the states are going to be more. And, of course, the answer to that depends on whose statistics you read yeah, exactly. because you can say it both ways. Well, and also, too, is you've got senators who are going to to Washington voted by the people, whereas you've got on an opposite party, uh, a state, you know, controller or state attorney general who's doing something. The Obamacare is a great example is you've got state attorney generals filing suit against this Obamacare uh, law, but you have the senators from that state supporting it. So now you've got a conflict right. of interest between the states because they're do all of that. Does, does all of that happen? without the 17th amendment or are the states more unified in their, I don't want to call it resistance to, but let's just uh, for lack of better phraseology, are the states more unified in their sovereignty? I think they are. I, I think without having a popular election, because now, uh, as you said, it, it was set up for, you know, the, the president's kind of checking over everything. The Congress is voted by the people or the house is voted by the people. Nobody's representing the state. And, and by having senators become a popular vote, you're doing, they're no better than the house right now. Uh, in the fact that instead of two years, they're six years, but they, they're yeah, more... To say they have three times as long to raise money for re-election. Exactly. And, and in, maybe is that where, you know, you're talking a bit ago about 
where tech, where everybody calls us a democracy, we're actually a republic, was, you know, with the 17th Amendment. Is that basically the point where that really, really started to change? I say, I think so. I think, I think you've become a popular vote with that, and you, and the states have no say whatsoever uh, in in stuff because basically people are electing them. So I, I guess you could say they have a say because they're reelecting the same people. But but they re, but do they? I mean. It, it, not in the sense of the senators, but in the sense of the relationship of, say, California to the federal government. You, you have a situation, or pick a state, Wyoming, Utah, wherever. Um, you have a state, a, a great example of this would be Wyoming, where, I don't know if you've ever driven across Wyoming, but if you have, how do I say this politely? 55 miles an hour across Wyoming. You're in the way. You, you might as well just bash your head out with a brick. You really <laughs> might as well. I mean, it, the trip will be quicker if you do because you'll be dead and you won't care. But Wyoming came up with this thing where they wanted to raise the speed limit back right. well, well before now. But they wanted to raise the speed limit from 55, from the federally mandated 55, which is questionable to begin with, to I think it was 65 at the time. And the federal government's response was, no, we'll cut off your highway traffic funds. Does that happen with senators who are not popular elected across the country? Or do the states at that point say, wait a second, dude, wait, wait, time out. You're not going to do that. Yeah. Have you ever driven across our state? I mean, it's beautiful and all, but it's been, it's best driven at night where you can't see a whole lot of emptiness. Yeah, it's, it's forever. Well, and, you know, we talk about not having popular elected senators. Certainly how they represent the states would change, but realistically, would the representation change that much? I mean, California, no. we're still going to have, no, because this in all likelihood, right. Dianne Feinstein and Barbara Boxer are still probably going to be right. our two senators. Two-thirds majority in our Senate, in our state assembly, they're going to appoint a liberal Democrat senator. There's, right. there's, and Texas is going to elect Republicans. Right. And, and so forth and so on. But in other places, I can see where it might have some effect. For example, uh, let's take a state like Utah, which gets a reputation for being you know, very hardcore right, but really isn't in population really is not that way. Maybe that changes at that point. You know, you just kind of, you kind of wonder how it would go, I guess. And, and that's why it's, do they still have Democrats in Utah? Yeah. There's a lot in Salt Lake. Yeah. A lot of Democrats in Utah. As a matter of fact, get outside of Provo. Things kind of change, especially where I'm from. Well, And you run into States like, like Ohio and, and, and Virginia, these bellwether states are these, you know, basically what purple states is what they call them, right? How about, where, how about states where you have somebody like a John McCain who runs as a Republican, who runs as a very conservative Republican, but could, but could very easily be a moderate Democrat? Lindsey Graham. Lindsey same thing. Graham. And so do they get elected on a bipartisan basis? Yeah. Those are questions you'd have to ask. Is Buzz Brockaway the greatest porn name ever in a state legislature? Can Buzz possibly limit an Article 5 convention to just term limits and the size of government? That's a pretty good example, too, isn't it? Does that happen? We're looking at a news headline right now that says, UN or U.S. to relinquish control over Internet to international bodies. Does that happen with a Senate that's I don't know that not popular elected? Or do states say, hey, we got a vested interest in this? Especially a state like California that's... Do we really want to give control to international bodies? Right. Presumably the United Nations. The Pres- UN. The Chinese and the Russians. Vito. <laughs> I veto this. Yet. So all this, all this <laughs> matters in the, the course. Communist. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Who's not wearing his communist jersey today, by the way. 
Um, first state, by the way, has passed a resolution to convene a con- constitutional convention and the uh, the right and to write the balance between the federal and state governments. State Representative Buzz Brockaway, name uh, of my new band, <laughs> is a Republican from Lawrenceville. This is in Georgia. Celebrated the passage today of Senate Resolution, not law, Resolution 736 by Senator Cecil Statton, who's a Republican from Macon. You seeing a theme here? In the Georgia House of Representatives, uh, the uh, SR-736 calls for an Article 5 convention of the states for the purpose of proposing amendments to the United States Constitution on, a lim- on the limited topics of limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government and establishing term limits for federal officials. Brockway, Buzz Brockway said, quote, I'm proud Georgia has taken a lead on this very important work of restoring our republic. Article 5 Convention of States would provide an opportunity for the citizens of this great nation to restore the balance between the power of the states and the federal government. I urge legislators in the other 49 states to join Georgia and call for a convention of states for the purpose of proposing amendments to the U.S. Constitution. The only thing missing is a white hat and a dude, big old... <laughs> dude, I lived in Georgia for a decade. I lived man. in Alabama. I know um, exactly what you're talking about. I, if I if I could change any one thing in my life, I would have a real Georgia accent because it's beautiful, man. When it's done right, there is nothing close. And I've stood Agreed. I've stood in that chamber in Georgia. I've stood in that legislative chamber. And it's, it, it, here's the thing: um, where where is Buzz Brockway wrong on this? I saw you react there, Jeff. Where is he wrong on what he said? Well, he's trying to limit. He's trying to limit to two things. You can't necessarily limit a con- uh, Article oh. Five Constitution to. I I don't know that you couldn't. I mean, if if I think if you if you call an Article Five, it's open to to anything. You're, you know, that's my interpretation, and of course, I'm probably wrong. The Congress, whenever, well, nobody knows. The Congress, whenever two thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to the Constitution, or on the application of the legislators legislatures of two thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments which shall in either case be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this constitution when ratified by the legislatures or three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-four states thereof. By the way, don't mess with slavery until 1809. I mean, I, I don't think anybody can answer the question as to whether it can be limited because it's never been done. So True. sort of by definition, we, we haven't argued that. But All right, let's if, have that argument. But, I'll be the Supreme Court. But if you look at... Uh, the fact that Congress can put certain restrictions on amendments. They can limit how long it can be ratified. They can limit what method by which it can be ratified. I would argue since the Congress is the one that would actually call the convention, they could say this convention is being called for the specific purpose of enlisting specific amendments. Now, obviously they would only do that if the calls from the legislatures sort of said, this is the stuff we want to deal with. They're not going to going to be stupid enough to go against what the legislatures want but if they can restrict how the amendments are ratified i don't see why they couldn't also limit what the scope of the convention would be i disagree because <laughs> because why, why would you disagree no i i think you're only getting one side of this, of this of this frame so you're you're proposing this through uh, he shouldn't really be, in my opinion, he shouldn't be doing this as an Article Five. What he should be doing this as a, as a, as an amendment, or or to come onto the floor to vote for two thirds and two thirds, and then send it out. Where I think he's trying to go about this the wrong way. I think he's trying to backdoor this way in. And once the Article Five convention is called, 
for example, it does get called, and three-quarters of the states ratify this ben, this bill, is Congress really going to go, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and make sure that I term limit myself out of there. It, it'll never get to the House or Senate to be a pass in the first place. Well, let's go back to what, uh, what Pat said. Pat, uh, you said that they could limit this to specific right. items. I, they could. I would. But isn't that 1913 all over again? I mean, if you're going to limit it to specific items, why not prevent an Article 5 convention by passing two-thirds of the House right. those items and sending them on to the states and say, well, let's see if you can ratify it yourself. Well, in this case, I don't, as Jeff said, I don't really think the Congress is going to pass a term limits amendment because they know that thing would be ratified, if not as fast as the 18-year-old vote, pretty darn fast. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to do it unless they're forced. Why are we so for that anyway? Why, why are we, I I'm mean, not, the framers looked at it and said, there's I'm no not, reason for term limits. They didn't even limit the president. I'm actually opposed to term limits because I think. I think you have term limits right now. It's called an election every exactly. two years. I mean, and if you don't like the guy, you should vote him out. I mean, just to cite, you know, our, our mutually enjoyed show, yes, minister and yes, prime minister, about how the bureau, the bureaucrats, the civil service run things. If you have term limits and you've got a congressman in there for two or three terms and you've got the civil servant in there for 20 years, who's really running? The, the civil servant's going to be running, you know, right. And yeah, but if a guy does a good job. Why can't you have him in there for thirty years? If he's doing a good job, he's doing a good job. But I think also a lot of people are are bringing this amendment up because they never envisioned back in the seventeen hundreds that politics is a career. They thought of it as. See, I think they did. I think that they they understood that there were some people, uh, particularly the Adams type family, the, uh, the Adams family. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it that way before. I, I think that they understood. I mean. Think of it. Think of term limits. Think of what term limits changes in America if um, Henry Clay or Daniel Webster are term limited out. How, Abe Lincoln. Um, what happens differently in our history if those guys are in for a set amount of time and then they're out because, well, your time is up. Now, look, I, I am not in favor of flavor flavor over there a, 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 a political class i think that there are clearly some some great examples of people who are in congress and or the senate and or state well, legislature simply because of their name who they well got. i mean the guy dingle the guy from michigan right. who's been in congress for like well, 60 years and his dad was before him and my good time charlie in harlem i mean really yeah. from a national standpoint and that's essentially what we did we turned congress with the 17th amendment into a national congress what's he done for the country, right? Not a lot, but he's been there my whole life, basically. He he has been, but but well, and look at the Kennedys. I mean, I, you've got appointments now from people going to ambassadors just because their name is Kennedy. But is the real problem with term limits? Because this this is what it always comes down to. Um, a generic question: Should there be term limits for Congress people? Yes. Should your congressman be term limited? No, no. My congressman's doing great. Right. It's everybody it's, else. It's always everybody else's congressman. Well, as you say, I mean, there certainly could could be reforms to try and prevent the incumbent from having such an advantage. but Isn't that a better way to go? Wouldn't that be a better, a better amendment? But that would be a better amendment to right. have an amendment that, that allows some restrictions on, say, campaign finance so that the incumbent congressman isn't coming in with $20 million right. and the challenger comes in is, with 300000 know, Yeah, and has no chance of winning. But, well, and you have that here in, in the state legislature here in California is you've got term limits. But you've only got what they've they've passed it what twelve years or or you have to be twelve years whether it's six right. seats as an assemblyman or or right and then they'll change yeah. that as soon as they can. But 
and, and then and then that person comes back to city council and, and runs city council or they run on to the house or they or run on to whatever she or I mean whatever they 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 basically make a career of of political seat jumping uh, right and that becomes really the problem that exactly so back to this article five element of that um, how does article and, and this is what uh, this is what Buzz Brockaway which may become if that's not a porn name, I don't know what is. <laughs> Here's what he said. And I want you to listen very carefully to what he said. Um, the purpose of this is to propose amendments to the United States Constitution on limited topics of, quote, limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government and establishing term limits for federal office officials, unquote. Well, the second part's very specific the first part i mean yeah this is this is my problem with this limited topics about the power and jurisdiction of the federal government and term limits for quote federal officials unquote you could drive a bus of lawyers through that you could i mean that is not only is that not limited you drive a bus i didn't know that (laughs) isn't that what they did in 1787 in theory absolutely in my view here, what Buzz Brockway has just done here is called for a new constitutional convention. Right. As opposed to a limited con- You could argue that 1787 was limited because they were just trying to redefine the government from the Articles of Confederation and, you know, tighten things up here and there and make things work a little bit better. And they came out with a constitution. They came out with a constitution which severely limited the government. Uh, what's he proposing that's any different from that? And, and the red herring is, oh, we're proposing a limited topics. No, you're not. I mean, to go to what you said, which was Congress could limit it, if Congress writes in there, okay, the limited topics of limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, my God, we've just we've well, just called Philadelphia that, all over again. Well, that wouldn't right. But if you took that second part and the Congress said we are having a cons- uh, an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of term limits on federal office right, holders, but, but all they, that would be... Or that would be a limited top. That would be limited, right. and I think they could do it. What, which federal officials are they talking about? Yeah, because it, it was wide open. Is that ambassador? Is that uh, is it a, surgeon a department? General? Good is point. It, Good point. Is it, is it the head of NASA? I mean, I, who are we talking about here? And in, in, in response to your your issue about they, they'll never pass that, they would pass it the same way they would pass uh, the seven the, when they pass the seventeenth. That it, it, they'll grandfather in anybody that's there already. Right. They'll say, well, it doesn't apply to anybody elected before this rat before this thing is ratified. So. You know, you're right. So they could do it. That person would continue. I to still be. don't see them ever doing term limits, but never. They they will never do it. What have Dave, Pat, and Jeff learned about Article Five and the calling of a convention? So I guess the only question left for us then is lessons and learnings from Article Five and from the idea of Buzz Brockway. I, I love starring in. <laughs> I, there's got to be a term this, limits. Or term outs. I don't know. Got to be a porn name for that somewhere, right? You're the never. No, no, don't even look at me there. <laughs> so, what do you think? What uh, what have, what have we learned from this today? What do, what do we look at today? Do, uh, we kind of I, again, so many of my compatriots, and this is part of the problem that I face. Is so many of one of my compatriots is selling books at 19 bucks a pop if they haven't been remaindered already, calling for a constitutional convention for his ten amendments. You mentioned earlier there's other groups that want their amendments. What have we learned from this? But my, myself, you can't guarantee an outcome. And and I think that's what's going to – if you if if by hook or crook this thing does happen and you've got 
three quarters of the state saying, yes, you're going to call this. You're going to have so many different ideas and so many different groups pushing their own agenda because they're going to say, well, while we're here, dot, dot, dot. Right. And, and even if you pass, as I say, you could, even if you, the Congress says, well, the scope of this is limited, that's not going to stop people at the convention from saying, well, we're here. Point of order, sir. Well, I mean, and then that would, what happened in 1787? And that would be exactly. up to the courts yeah. to decide. Yeah. And, and, and so, I, I think it's going to be a big convention for two weeks long, and nothing's going to happen. There's going to be no outcome. The outcome is going to be, we tried, but. You know, that's, that's an interesting point because I, I hadn't thought of it that way. But if you think about it, okay, let's assume we call the Article 5 convention, and so all the states are sending their delegations and I'm, presumably they would all be a popularly elected. I, I can't imagine a state legislature saying, no, we're not going to let the people decide. So you're basically going to have Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, you know, the conservative states sending, we want to limit, you know, term limit congressmen and expand gun rights and all the good conservative things. And you're going to have California and New York and Hawaii. the liberal states yeah. sending delegations saying, we want to get rid of the Second Amendment and do all kinds of liberal things, and nothing's going to happen. Exactly. Let's say anything does get happen. Let's say that somehow or another, miraculously, they they call this convention and people show up. You know, you get, I don't even know who the... Well, term limits actually might pass, because that's one both sides are kind of for. In, in 1786, when they had the previous, the Annapolis Conference leading to the Constitutional Convention in September... You had men like George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, who all spoke in favor of the Constitutional Convention. We need to, we need to have a talk to sit down and revamp our government. Who today in our nation today could say that and be taken as seriously as, as Dr. Franklin or I, Thomas Jefferson or, God help us, George Washington? I can't think of anybody. I, I, I mean, can't either. There's nobody that, that holds... I'm, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't even say, you know, just looking in the because it's not really a part a partisan thing. I mean, certainly I don't see any political leaders now, but I mean, even if you go back, say, to the godfather of conservatism, you know, Ronald Reagan, I don't even think Reagan could have spoken with the authority of a Washington or an Adams or a Jefferson. We just don't have those kinds of people in our society anymore. Well, and you're going to need somebody that's going to be able to gather, as you said, the conservative states to say, yeah, let's try this. And also the liberal states to say. That sounds like a good idea. Let's let's all meet in the middle and call Kansas City a good place to go and 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 it is it is it's a great place. Good uh, but but, but you, I, I say you can call the convention, but I don't think anything will come out of it because it still has to. Even though you've got three quarters of the states doing it, I don't think you're going to get two thirds of both houses right. to actually pass it. Can you imagine the fight there would be over where to have the convention? Oh boy, <laughs> that's. We're going to have a convention to find out where the convention's at. Yeah, But, yeah, I, I really do think IOC type of deal. You know? that, that's part of the problem with any convention is everybody's mind, Everybody's coming in with a mindset of, well, of course, everybody's going to want to do what I want to do. And, you know, you could almost, just to, to pick a topic that's been in the news, you could almost analogize that to Obamacare. And, you know, you have the people who are pro-Obamacare who can't conceive why anybody would be anti because it's giving health care to people who don't have it. And you have people who are opposed to it who can't conceive how anybody could be for it because it's not doing that. How can you get 
people with such there's no way you're going to get those people together at a convention well, to accomplish and anything. as you had mentioned earlier there's not a and i don't want to say there's not a single voice that's out there that will appeal to both sides to to where they go that guy makes a point you've always going to have that i suppose at one point maybe colin powell might have had that but no. i'm not even sure there i mean it's, it's just trying to think yeah. of somebody who kind of right after the Gulf Wars and, and I, such. I think the, la that. the last person that could have probably done that is JFK, in my opinion. See, I would have said Eisenhower. I, I think I Eisenhower. Would have gotten Eisenhower. I, I think Eisenhower. I'm not sure because JFK. was not. Eisenhower was, or Kennedy was, Kennedy suffers from a, a, a martyr syndrome. And, and Correct. People forget that, I mean, I've got the newspaper from the They're, day I was born. People forget that Kennedy was reviled by the Republican Congress. But the one thing that Kennedy had well, that Eisenhower didn't, I, this sounds really bad, TV. He had, he had yeah, the camera. But, but Kennedy would not have had much power in the South. Right. And that's, I don't know. I, Eisenhower, I can see. Maybe can, FDR, too. Maybe to a degree. But, but Eisenhower, in, in my lifetime, and I always say that he wasn't president when I was born, but he, he did die after I was born. Um, I could see an Eisenhower standing because Eisenhower had the his famous farewell speech is right. still quoted on a fairly regular basis. Beware the military industrial. Here's a general, a guy who won World War II, saying, "Be careful of the military industrial people. They're they're misleading you." Eisen not to divert, but Eisenhower's whole attitude on the military is really it's, very interesting yeah. for a guy who's whole career was being a general well, well could you although not really odd for people who served in the military but the problem is is, is military people today are so politicized as well you couldn't get somebody like a schwarzkopf or or something like that to right. go and do nope. that either there's nobody i could nobody i trust that could do that so the lesson then could be is it is it even possible could an article five could buzz brockway <laughs> porn star georgia <laughs> could his uh could his constitutional convention even happen do you think that do you I think you could get two-thirds of the legislatures to pass that resolution. The, this one right here, limited federal, no. limited topics of limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government there and is, establishing... No, there's no way you'd get that. I, I think Buzzy is, uh, is you know, doing a campaign speech here, and, and this is just off the is, And see, that was going to be my is, next question about that. Is this... Is Buzzy happening to be running for governor of Georgia this I, year or I something? I don't think so, but... <laughs> but and, and I don't want to point fingers and name names, but... People are making a lot of money on this deal. Yeah, yeah. Whether they're selling books, whether they're raising campaign cash, they're raising money, they're making money on what is essentially, A, an impossible ideal. I don't think it could ever happen. But even if it did happen, what would come of it would be either disastrous or not effective. One of the, I mean, at best, it's not effective in the sense of limiting the power of the federal government. So is this just a money-making scam, I guess, is my next question. For some. I mean, there are, there are some who discuss it for free out of the noble desire to teach. But it's a good idea part, that will go it's nowhere. not going to happen. It's a good idea that will go nowhere, and it, it's, a, it's a popular belief, and, and that's all it is. It's, it's a belief. It's not, uh, it's not practical. And I think uh, I'll quote something here is, um, from an article I saw. According to uh, the, the history of the Article 5 style conventions, regardless of any state or congressional legislation, or legislation requiring them to consider only one amendment, the delegates elected to the convention would process unlimited, though not unprecedented, powers to propose revisions to the existing Constitution. 
based on the inherent right of the people in the convention to alter or revise their government. Right, so, which is right out of the Declaration of Independence. Exactly. So that right there tells me that you can, as I said earlier, old Buzzy trying to limit it to one. Somebody's just going to put porn of order while we're here. Let's see that we want popcorn on Sundays type of deal. And we want that as a... See, I'd be in favor of that. I love popcorn. I love it. Movie time popcorn. Just on Sundays? No, I'd want popcorn every day. Yeah. Uh, just on Sundays. So... Watching the land. Are we agreed then that A, it couldn't happen, and B, <laughs> would it? So how does, this, how does this process of pulling for a very quickly here, how does this process of... Of even asking for an Article Five convention is it a good thing to do. Does it engage people? Do they do they start looking at it and going, this doesn't work, but maybe this way would. I think it does. I think it's 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 bringing people back to uh, to looking at at what actually the government's doing and how they can start limiting the government. No. I think they have to do it through popular vote and they have to do it through uh, the proper channels. But I think Article Five is not the way to go. What about a mock Article Five convention? Not a real one, but just where people get together to talk about stuff. I think that could be an interesting one. I here's what I here's at the end of the day, this is what I think. You know what I think Article Five does? Article five legitimizes the Philadelphia Convention. Because remember, under the Articles of Confederation, the Philadelphia Convention was questionable legally. Indeed, yeah, I mean there was a lot of debate back then as to whether it was for real. Essentially legitimizes that and any future necessi- necessity to recreate the American government. What do you think? Send us an email, podcast at constitutionthursday.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Dave. I'm Pat. I'm Jeff. We'll see you next time for Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast. Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast, is a Slippery Fish Entertainment production. Copyright 2014. To comment, complain, or argue, email podcast at constitutionthursday.com or go to www.constitutionthursday.com.